What is going on, Clutch Crew Sports fans? This is Connor, the co-host with the most, welcoming you back to another episode of Clutch Crew Sports. Coming off of probably the single greatest weekend of playoff football I have ever seen in my entire life. Um, three of the games were decided by game-winning field goals, and the fourth one was an overtime thriller. So certainly no shortage of great games to watch. Even if you were a neutral fan and didn't have any rooting interest, you at least got to watch some good football this weekend. Um, so we have a lot to recap with the past games. We have to go over the losing teams and what the future may look like for them, and also pre- previewing the upcoming conference championship games and which teams that we think will be going to the Super Bowl in three weeks' time. So a lot to get into. Hope you guys enjoy. Now let me introduce you to the rest of the crew. What's up, everyone? This is Zach, the host who is a fan of losing sports teams. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> trying to think of a uh i'm not, you know, sure, that, I'm not sure that fits though considering that you're a lightning fan and they've won back-to-back stanley cup championships so. yeah i mean yeah but granted that's the sport i follow the least about and the teams that i do like you know the jags usf the magic the trailblazers this year they're all far 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 from the playoffs and a good record so I, I just figure, yeah, I guess you got the, you know, Stanley Cup champion pictures on my screen there. But yeah, that's uh, that's what I came up with for now. We'll see. I'm going to change later. But can I come up with something a little more catchy? Yeah, something a little <laughs> bit less to say. But um, but yeah, it was a great weekend of football and I'm excited to talk about this. And what's going on, guys? It's Eric, the ranting co-host here. Definitely gotta agree with connor i mean this definitely was an insane week of football uh, i really i really enjoyed everything i got to see uh i don't know if this upcoming week you know we'll be able to top that or not it's going to be a tough task but uh regardless we got a lot to talk about so definitely ready to get into it you know what's up what's up guys nate here kind of gonna follow off what the other guys said but yeah, I don't think can be said enough how good this weekend was for football. So looking forward to talk about all all the um, games and everything that went down. So yeah, it's going to be very difficult for any uh, weekends in the future to ever to actually top what happened this weekend. So we'll see if they can even get close to that. Hopefully, these conference championship games are good and we don't revert to how it was on Wild Card Weekend when there was a lot of blowouts, but. Uh, We're going to start off talking about the losing teams, first of all, and we're going to start with the AFC, uh, the better conference, by the way. Um, Sorry, Caleb. But we're going to start with Zach and Eric's nemesis, the Tennessee Titans. They suffered a loss at home against the Cincinnati Bengals, a game-winning field goal by Evan McPherson to win it for them. Now, the big question for the Tennessee Titans going forward is obviously, you know, we talked a lot coming into this game that they were underrated, that, you know, a lot of people have been sleeping on them. They got into the playoffs in the number one seed without Derrick Henry for most of the season. And then all of a sudden, you know, we thinking, okay, like they have Derrick Henry back. They're going to, you know, they have a really good chance to really actually go to the Super Bowl and maybe even win. And then you come out and lose at home in your first playoff game with Derrick Henry back against the Cincinnati Bengals. The Tennessee Titans seem to have some kind of curse against AFC North teams in the playoffs. They're like 0-4 against AFC North teams or something like that. So, I don't know, maybe we should have learned our lesson on that one. But um, the big question that I have for Nate here is, really, 
there's two big questions for the Titans going forward. Obviously, the main one is Ryan Tannehill. You know, he was pretty much the sole reason why they lost that game. I, mean, I, I wouldn't say the sole reason, but the main reason they lost that game. Three interceptions, most of them coming in crucial moments, giving the Bengals good field position, setting them up for some of those field goals. Um, so what do you think the Titans are going to do with him going forward, potentially? And also, what the future you think looks like for Derrick Henry? Because obviously he was back in that game, but he did not look the same in that game coming off of that injury. You know, I think the Titans probably should have stuck with Foreman a little bit more. So, Nate, give us your thoughts on the the future of those two guys for the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, so I think um, for Ryan Tannehill, it's definitely – a tricky spot because I don't dislike him. I think he's a solid quarterback, but he's not a guy who's going to win you a Super Bowl. Um, he wasn't that guy with the Dolphins, and he's had a better uh, supporting cast with the Titans, but I I think he's the one piece that's been holding them back um, to this point. So I think it's time um, for them to think about moving on from him. Um, I don't know if you look at somebody in free agency. No, it's a pretty weak draft class, and since they did make the divisional round, they're going to be – uh, towards the end of the first round anyways. So I don't know if that's a viable option, but I do think it's time for them to really figure out a plan there at quarterback because if they want to try and um, compete for a Super Bowl while they still have these other um, pieces there with Henry and Brown and all of them, they've got to you know find that that big um, time quarterback there. So I, I think he um, – I guess him starting next year if they go for a younger guy or someone who needs to be developed. But I think um, by the end of next year for sure he's going to be – um, I'd be surprised if he's not out of Tennessee there. Um, and then on the other side, um, with Derrick Henry, I didn't get to watch um, as much of that game as I wanted to on Saturday, but um, he did look, like you said, a little bit off coming back from the injury. He had the touchdown early, but um, he didn't look like himself as much. And um, hopefully with a, you know an offseason uh, to rest and recover and all that, he'll be uh, back to his old self for next year. But um, it is kind of something to watch going forward. Running backs, you know, historically don't have um, a very long shelf life, and um, he's basically been the entire uh, Titans offense. Like we said with Tannehill, he, you know, they don't get a whole lot out of their quarterback. Um, and most of that quarterback, you know, passing offense is basically based off of what Henry does on the ground. So he's basically been carrying them for like three, four years now, and I think it's going to start to um, take its toll, especially on a guy that's that big and tall and um, all of that. Is, I think it's going to add up soon. So um, I'm a huge fan of his. Obviously, he's fun to watch, but um, I'm not saying he's done after one game, but it'll be very interesting next year to see if he can get back to form or if he's going to start um, You know, going downhill as uh, um, injuries start to add up. Yeah, for sure. Definitely a lot of interesting things for the Titans going forward. I know Zach and Eric are going to be hoping for, uh, you know, all the bad, all the negative things that would possibly come out of that. You know, they're hoping Derrick Henry doesn't refine that form and Ryan Tannehill still the quarterback. I'm assuming that's correct. Absolutely, man. <laughs> um, yeah, so enough about the Tennessee Titans. The They got be now we're going to move on to the one road team that actually did not was not able to pull off a win and that was the buffalo bills uh unfortunately for my dad there was some uh swearing and hat throwing going on uh when i was watching the game with him every time something would happen there really a heartbreaking loss for them they were 
you know, it was a back and forth game in the fourth quarter and the Bills had got gone down and gotten a touchdown to take the lead by three with 13 seconds left. And in the span of two to three plays, Mahomes was able to get the Chiefs down in field goal range in 13 seconds and to send it to overtime. The Chiefs obviously won the coin toss and were able to go down and get the game winning touchdown. The Bills being the latest team to fall victim to the NFL overtime rules. Um, but, you know, that's a discussion for another time. So moving back to the Bills, you know, obviously the the Chiefs are kind of becoming this boogeyman for the Buffalo Bills, kind of like how the Patriots were for a long time with the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, the Steelers were always a really good team. But then when it came down to it in the playoffs, they would always run into the Patriots. And it's looking like this trend is sort of starting to form with the Bills, you know, they have a really good team, and you think maybe this is going to be their year, but then, of course, you run into the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Chiefs are able to knock them out. Um, you know, things are going to be different, most likely, in Buffalo next year. I think the key for them is most of the team is going to be back together, at least. You know, like Josh Allen's obviously not going anywhere. They still have Stephon Diggs and Beasley and some of these guys on defense locked up for at least another year. Um, they should be getting Tredavious White back healthy. I'm sure that was that was something that they were sorely missing in that game was missing Tredavious White, uh, you know, a, a, a lockdown corner because Tyreek Hill was just running circles around them all game. Um, but like I said, they should be getting a lot of those guys back. They're still starting to develop some of these younger guys. Um, you know, they really somewhat started getting a run game going there with Derek Singletary, but it's definitely an issue that they're going to have to address going forward. Um possibly maybe in the draft, like in the second round or something, or maybe in free agency, they can pick up another running back to pair with Singletary because Zach Moss has been injured a lot. I know they were hoping for more out of him, but he's been injured and unproductive. So it's looking like they could be moving on from him in the near future. Um, but I think the big question for the Buffalo Bills going forward really is going to be what the offense and the defense are going to look like if both of their coordinators end up leaving, because Brian Dayball, the offensive coordinator, and Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator, have both been doing a lot of head coaching interviews. There's quite a few. I think there's six or seven head coaching vacancies right now. There could potentially be an eighth one if for, there's some rumors coming out of New Orleans that Sean Payton might not be returning to head coach. So there's a lot of open jobs, and Dayball especially has been on the radar for a lot of teams here in the past few seasons. He got a lot of interviews last year. Um, but he decided to come back and try and win it again with Buffalo. Frazier, I think there maybe he got like one. He wasn't really as big of a head coaching candidate last year as Dayball was, but he's starting to pick up some steam because of the fact that the Bills had the number one defense this year. Um, and, you know, that Bills defense has been solid for quite a few years under him. So he's starting to get attention. Now, if I had to guess, I don't think that Leslie Frazier is going to end up going anywhere. I think he's going to stay. I feel like if any of these teams are going to, you know, go after a defensive coordinator head coach, they're probably going to go after someone like Dan Quinn or uh, Todd Bowles or possibly even uh, Matt Eberflus, the uh, Colts defensive coordinator. I think Frazier is going to stay, so that defense should be fine. But I definitely think there's a good possibility that Dayball doesn't return. And if I'm being completely honest, I think that could actually be a good thing for the Buffalo Bills without Brian Dayball as their offensive coordinator. Because if there's one thing that I've noticed with him is that he 
for whatever reason, like he ha- he goes into the game and he has this game plan that he wants to put into the game, and it seems and it, that's fine. You know, obviously you need to have a game plan, but he doesn't seem to be able to to make the adjustments necessary when they need to be when they need to be made. He seems like he just wants to stick to that game plan. He wants to keep doing it, keep trying it, and like it's not working, but yet he still goes with it. Like I think he spent too long trying to stick with the run game against the Chiefs last night when they should have just been putting the game in Josh Allen's hands from the start. Um, they could have possibly gotten some more points and have avoided, you know, having the Chiefs only need a field goal. Like maybe they could have been up by six or something like that, needing the Chiefs needing a touchdown in 13 seconds. Or, you know, they kept doing all these things where like probably at least like in a series of eight plays, they called like five quarterback sweeps. And like, yeah, the first time it got like, you know, 10, 11, 12 yards, but then it slowly kept getting worse. Like, okay, now we're getting seven yards. Now we're only getting four. And now like the next three, we're getting like two yards at most. And it's like, you need to stop doing that. So I think that would be a good thing for the Buffalo Bills going forward, actually, if they don't have Brian Dayball as their offensive coordinator, bring in a fresh face, bring in someone new for Josh Allen, because, you know, this team has a lot of talent and they will be back. I mean, this is, Unlike the Tennessee Titans, you know, the other team we're talking about here, I think the Bills have a much higher chance of getting back to this spot and potentially still being having a chance to make a run at a Super Bowl. So um, that's going to be it for the Buffalo Bills. We are going to move on to the NFC now. And starting with, of course, again, the number one seed. It was the first time. I can't remember what the stat was. It's like the first time since 04 or something like that or 05 that both one seeds went out in the divisional round. Um, But it did happen. The Packers taking a loss at Lambeau in the snow. Um, Special teams really killing them in that game. Uh, But the big question, obviously, for Eric, is the question that's been on everyone's mind since the beginning of the season. You know, what is going to be the situation with Aaron Rodgers? Is he going to return? Is he not going to return? If he doesn't return, is he going to retire? Is he going to go somewhere else? If he doesn't return, you know, there was some talk in the offseason that Devontae Adams was talking about that he would leave the team if Aaron Rodgers left the team. You know, what, I don't know, just try and give us your perspective, Eric, on what you think is going to go happen with the Packers going forward. And, you know, if they don't have Aaron Rodgers, how well you think they're going to be able to do without him or how well you think they're going to be able to do if he stays. Yeah, this is definitely a lot to unpack here. Um, I will say what I expect will be the least likely thing that would happen would be him going to another team since he still has another year left on his contract. He would have to be traded in order for that to happen. And I, 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 don't thought, he, I thought he voided the last year of his contract. Did he? I didn't know that. There was something in the offseason that he like voided uh the last year of his that he, I, he was thun- he I think there that. is an I think there's an out actually. I think oh, Connor yeah. might Yeah, he, he, he did some he did something in the offseason where like they had a discussion where he basically like voided the last year of his contract, which was like that's kind of what started all the like you know, ever there was rumors before that, obviously, but then that really heated up the talks like, oh, like he's literally telling the Packers like I don't want to like, you know, play on this contract anymore. I want to avoid it. So now they're like, oh, so this really could be his last year in Green Bay. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Okay. I did not know that. I thought, I just assumed he still had the like one year left. So, I mean, to me, I, I, 
I don't know. Supposedly, his relationship with the GM has improved. I've been hearing that, and he's getting along with management better and everything. These are the latest reports that have come out. You know, who knows if those are really true or not? But I don't know. the The biggest problem for Green Bay, though, is like also from what I'm hearing is that they are projected to be around 50 million over the cap or something like that going into the season. Or if it's not 50, it's really close to that. Uh, I think only the saints are in a worse position. So he may not want to deal with losing a bunch of pieces and then maybe he does retire or go to another team. But, but I don't know, like Zach and I were kind of talking about this yesterday a little bit and I know Zach said he thinks he's going to retire. I don't think he's quite ready to retire yet. And if this is true that, you know, him and the management are getting along better and everything, I think he will come back. But the problem is, is that, you know, assuming he comes back and then, you know, whether they franchise tag or extend Devontae Adams or whatever, yeah, that's going to cost a lot of money and they're already over the cap. So then in order for this to happen, you know, they're going to have to make sacrifices, whether it be, you know, losing some of the, you know, defensive players or if like some of the O-line or something like that. And that that's going to be a problem. So this is just a really tough thing to predict, but I do think they find a way to make it work. I mean, these teams always seem to find a way to make it work with the cap when they're over the cap. Like, I know what the Saints have done in the past is somehow they roll contracts over to, like, three years down the line or whatever and make it affect their 2025 cap instead of their 2022 cap or whatever. Like, you know, I don't know, because the salary cap's complicated and, terms of how they're non-existent half the time (laughs) yeah exactly it seems like even when these teams are way over the cap they somehow find a way to keep almost everybody so i feel like somehow i don't know how exactly i don't have an answer there but uh i feel like somehow some way they're gonna make it work they'll keep aaron Rodgers happy for another year and get him to stick around so i like i said i don't know how they're gonna do that but I do think they find a way. I don't think he, you know, he's obviously not, he's getting up there in age, but you know, he's not obviously as old as like Brady is who we'll talk about next with the bucks. But like, so I, I don't think he's quite ready yet. And with him only having won the one super bowl and been to one super bowl, like I know in his heart, he wants to get back there and have that feeling again. So I don't think he's going to retire just yet, but there, there's, they've got a lot, a lot to deal with and a lot to watch if you're a green Bay Packers fan. For sure. Definitely a lot to unpack. Well, funny enough, you know, talking about NFC teams that have a lot to unpack, if there's one team that has a lot more to unpack than the Green Bay Packers, it is definitely the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the defending Super Bowl champions. There will be a new Super Bowl champion this year. Um, You know, the Buccaneers taken out in that upset against the Rams, where the the Rams almost pulled an Atlanta Falcons and let Brady come back and beat them. But uh, the Rams were able to hold on in that game. Now, Obviously, the main question with the Bucks is Tom Brady. You know, there's these rumors every year that he's going to retire and blah, 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 blah. But it seems like they're really kind of catching a bit more steam this year, um, especially given, you know, like I said, that he's 44. He's going to be 45. He's 
you know, even though he's still playing at a high level, it's just like eventually, like you have to call it a quits at some point. Like, you know, even if you're still playing at a high level, like just some of these players, it's like, okay, how long do you really want to devote your life to this? You know, you want to spend more time with your family, you know, whatever. Um, that's the big, the looming question with that. But obviously the other thing to unpack with the Buccaneers is, you know, I mentioned this with the bills, but even more so with the Buccaneers, like there's a very high possibility that both Byron Leftwich and Todd Bowles do not return next season. They get head coaching jobs. The other issue with the Bucks is that, you know, they're another one of these teams that's going to be having cap issues next year. They have a lot of guys that they're going to need to resign. Um, like, you know, Brady obviously has, he's, he's got some weird thing going on with his contract where like he, a lot of the next years on his deal are voided. Same with Gronkowski. Gronkowski's talking about, he might not want to come back. Chris Godwin's going to be unrestricted free agent. Levante David, looks like he could be, unless they do something there, he could be headed for the free agent market again. Leonard Fournette is going to be an unrestricted free agent. So a lot of, you know, things for the Buccaneers to go at. So I know this is a lot of information for Zach, but I guess, you know, first talk about Brady, what you think is going to happen there and um, what you think the Buccaneers need to do to like who they should maybe really looked really key in on re-signing um, and what they need to do to get back into the playoffs next year. Yeah. So definitely a lot to unpack here. Like Eric said that with the Packers, this is a similar situation with a team, a very old team that has got a lot of, you know, problems now and cap problems anyways, and trying to figure out what they'll do. Now, my thing on Brady, I've kind of flip flopped in the past few days on what my stance on, what I think he will do or won't do. And I've right now, anyways, this could change, but currently I do think this is it. I think he's going to retire as of currently. Um, All right. On the record. Yeah. On the record. Retiring. uh, (laughs) January 24th as uh, Zach saying he's retiring. Cause I mean, I I could have a change of mind, but but it it could change on January 25th. We don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It could. Yeah. But I, I do think he's going to retire. I you know, I saw what Rick Stroud, a uh, prominent Tampa Bay sports writer, said about uh, Giselle, his wife, wanting him, you know, not wanting to see him get hit and tackled and sh- and stuff like that. And then um, his, you know, spending more time with his kids and his family and stuff because he really hasn't been able to do that when, you know, you're a ultra competitive quarterback like he is you know he doesn't have time for all the activities that a father would have with their kids so i think with all that going on and the fact that he's you know the age that he's at he's already done enough it's not like he's proved it's not like anything he really does now adds anything to his legacy whereas like rogers would really benefit from another super bowl Brady at this point, like, really doesn't benefit that much from another Super Bowl. I mean, it's just more glory for him, but, you know, it's already, he's undisputed as the the GOAT. There's nobody really that denies that. So I think he's pretty much done everything in the NFL he's wanted to do. Um, I don't see him having any more, I mean, he could always find some reason to get motivated 
and come back for a revenge season or whatever. But I think he's going to be done. And then that's going to bring up a whole big question on what the Bucks do for quarterback. I think they'll, from what sources are saying, if he does retire, they're going to look to go in the free agency market and probably go with a free agent guy instead of uh, their backup, Blaine Gabbard or uh, Blaine Gabbard. <laughs> Uh, uh, Kyle Trask. I think they're logo the free agent route, but um, so that's the big domino. I mean, and if that happens, the Bucks are you know obviously going to fall back to being an average team probably without Brady. But as far as what they should prioritize in the off season, it's it's tough. I mean, like you said, I don't know what the Caps situation will look like, but I know they don't have much. They did resign Vita Vea recently in the season to like a four-year extension or something so he's locked up um but i would say a guy that i think they could that brady or not i think is actually realistic for them to possibly get is gonna be chris godwin actually because the thing with him is i think with his acl injury late in the year i think they're going to have to pay far less for him. I mean, they're already, you know, as his current team or whatever, they're going to be able to give him the lowest offer. There will be teams that offer him more, but it's still like, you know, you get to stay where you're at. He likes the team, you know, I'm pretty sure he's made his whole career in Tampa. So kind of like, kind of like the Juju situation with the Steelers in the offseason where like other teams gave him more, but he wanted to stay in Pittsburgh. So he got less to stay in Pittsburgh. Yeah, so they can already offer him a discount, come back to where he's familiar with. Um, and also, too, his market value, I think, goes down with the injury. Now, it is a bad free agency for wide receivers, so he still is at the top of the list for that. And there, you know, there's always the possibility there's going to be a team that you know doesn't care at all about the injury and just throws him the bag of bags, you know. But I don't, I just don't see that happening. I think. I do think he's going to get less offers that he's going to like with that injury. So he's a guy that before the season, I would have said had no shot at re-signing. But I think now there's a greater possibility he, they can get him on like a relatively good bargain. Um, and then after that, though, it's it's a lot of guys um, that I think are just going to end up leaving. Like David, I think David's going to be gone. I think Sue... Fournette, those guys are going to be gone, you know. And, JPP, <laughs> yeah. There's there's a lot of guys like JPP. Yeah, there, anybody that's really, I mean, they're not going to be able to bring this team back. They didn't win the Super Bowl again, you know. They, it, it's just a lot going against them. So, I I will say Godwin's the one to prioritize. I think that's a realistic shot for him, but I do think Brady retires, which is. You know, massive news, obviously. Yeah, for sure. This is this is definitely going to be uh, one of the more fun teams to watch during the off season. Uh, you know, we always kind of have our like more fun teams or more boring teams, and these two on this page right here, the Packers and the Bucks, are going to be two of the most interesting. So, um, looking forward to that. Now we will move on from the losers and move on to the winners. Losers, um, losers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I was kind of hoping that this team in orange would have been one of those losers, but, you know, unfortunately they're still here. So, um, you know, 
But yeah, so we'll go with uh, the game that's coming on first at 3 o'clock on Sunday, the AFC Championship game. The Cincinnati Bengals back in the AFC title game for the first time since like the 80s, I want to say. Um, you know, the I don't even remember. I don't know if they ever went to the AFC title game other than like that year, the, the two times that they uh, went to the Super Bowl and lost to the Niners, which is pretty crazy that there is the possibility it could be Bucks and Niners in the Super Bowl. And uh, I'm sure the, uh, I said Bucks, Bengals and Niners in the Super Bowl. And I know the Bengals fan base is going to be like, oh, great. Here we go again with this crap. Um, <laughs> but, you know, who knows? Who knows? We're not, they still got to get past the Chiefs. But, Zach, tell us about the Cincinnati Bengals and what they need to do to win this game against, you know, arguably the best team in the NFL right now, the Kansas City Chiefs. I think Eric was going to talk about this one. I'll let, I'll let Eric. Oh yeah, talk. Eric. Yeah. That's oh right. yeah, duh, yeah. Duh. duh. That's Sorry. Okay. Wrong. No. Wrong. Uh, cousin. There. All good. All, all, all good. All good. Um, yeah. So for the the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, obviously Zach and I were very happy with them that they were able to get the job done and beat the Titans. Uh, I was not on the podcast last week, but I actually did predict that one um i was pretty happy with that pick i was not a believer in the titans now however this week the Bengals are definitely facing a much tougher task and going against the kansas city chiefs so um the first thing that they really need to do and they need to figure out is they really have to work on the pass protection for Joe Burrow. Uh, the definitely biggest weakness on the Cincinnati Bengals team is their offensive line. So I, if I'm Cincinnati going into this game, I'm expecting that the Chiefs are probably going to blitz a lot and they're going to do everything that they can to bring pressure to Joe Burrow. So uh, what I would do is I would try to scheme a lot of plays for quick passes get some you know slants and drag routes going do some screen passes uh run some do some you know draw plays do things like that to really try to counter you know the blitzing attack that the chiefs are probably going to implement against them and then you know, if they're able to get the Chiefs to, you know, back off a little bit, you know, then that's when they can hit them, you know, with some more, you know, deep passing attack and just, you know, straightforward power running game and stuff like that with Mixon and all that. Um, that's going to be the key because if they get in a lot of, if they get in a lot of third and long situations where the Chiefs can just really tee off on Burrow and the you know, a slant route's not going to get you 10 yards or whatever, you know, that that's where I could see Cincinnati getting in trouble. So they need to start with the quick passing game early and often. They're going to have to score a lot of points. I mean, we know how good the Chiefs offense is. I know the Bills went in with a similar game plan against the Chiefs where in the last game where if it was like fourth and two on the Chiefs 30-yard line, they – basically said forget the field goal and they went for it they're they're gonna have to be aggressive settling for field goals 
is not going to be enough to beat this Chiefs team. So that's what they need to do on the offensive end of the ball. Uh, now on the defensive end of the ball, um, I know this is way easier said than done, but they're going to have to figure out ways to contain Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. And what I would do is just try to, you know, go back to that Super Bowl footage from last year and, you know, do what the Bucks did and just I'm I'm double teaming Tyree Kill as often as possible. And then obviously that could free up more opportunities for Kelsey, but Tyreek Hill is just that home run threat. You don't want him getting past you. You don't want to be getting burned for like 60 yard touchdowns and things like that. Like keep everything in front of you. Um, definitely. I would also, you know, send some blitzes at Mahomes and try to force him to scramble, you know, just anything you can do to contain him and just pray to God that you can, you know, hopefully force a mistake or, you know, make them settle for field goals or something. But they did force three interceptions on Tannehill last week. Obviously, you know, Mahomes is, you know, definitely a much tougher test than Ryan Tannehill. But but if you can force mistakes on the Chiefs, that is how you can beat them. So definitely a tough task for the Bengals here. But if they follow my game plan here, they can get it done. <laughs> All right. Game plan from Eric for the Cincinnati Connor, Bengals. Connor says hopefully that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, actually, actually, I, the one thing I will say about your game plan is I hope they actually take the route of blitzing because Mahomes is one of the best QBs in the league against the blitz. That's why the Bills didn't do it at all in that game. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, now uh, let me get the correct cousin for this one, what I'm calling it out. Zach, tell us about the Kansas City Chiefs and what they need yeah. to do to beat the Cincinnati Bungles. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think Dang. number number one, the number one thing, which I think is most important for them, is honestly, wake up. Like, as silly as it sounds, this team has been in this situation so many times, It's it could easily feel like just another game for them. And even more importantly, like, they're coming off one of the craziest games ever uh, last week, scoring with that 13 second on the clock, you know, field goal. So they need to wake up and put and try their hardest to get the emotions from this Sunday off of their mind and come into this game with a zero zero, like Super Bowl on the line mentality. You know, I think it's a lot of teams. I see suffer from a crazy win. You know, you see some crazy, something crazy happens in the game and they just come out flat the next week. And that's, that's the number one thing I think they have to avoid. If they, if they come out flat, it's not going to bode well for them. This Bengals team is too good. They'll, they're not going to win if they come out flat. I'll just say that. So avoid, you know, the slow start, avoid, coming out flat now as far as in the game things for them to do i think on offense really just do what they did in the the set you know in the fourth quarter of that game just you know i know the bills had some injuries and stuff but my gosh it just seems like just use your speed just like take advantage of the speed that they have um with everybody i mean that that's the thing too is it's 
it's Hardman, it's Pringle, it's uh, it's all these other guys getting involved. It's and that makes it so much harder for for the Bengals to stop because the Bengals secondary they've got some good players, but if you can spread the ball around to everybody, that's really just going to make this even more difficult for Cincy to win. Um, and then another thing that I'll add to is don't get cute. I mean, you have a $50 million quarterback. Do not do a wildcat play or <laughs> some stupid little trickery trickery thing. Like keep your $50 million quarterback under center every snap. Like it seems like every time they try and do something without him and it, it, it just seems to, go wrong somehow or something messes up on it. Um, I think it's nonsense that they ever try and do something without him at quarterback, but um, that's just kind of a, a rant thing that I've, you know, come up <laughs> with. I'm like, why are they, what you have Patrick Mahomes? Why are you doing something without him here? Um, it's like if the so Bucks yeah, took that, Giannis out of the game with like five minutes to go or something like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, why, why would you do that? Um, but and then on defense, I'll say the biggest thing on defense, I think, is going to be hold the Bengals to field goals, not touchdowns. Um, the Bengals have had, you know, no problem really moving the ball in the playoffs. But their past two games, it seems like they've had to settle for field goals a lot. We'll see how aggressive they are and if they even try and settle for field goals. But um it's really going to come down to, I think, the fourth down plays for this defense. They got to hold their, they got to hold their own on fourth down or force them to field goals. Um, I, I do think the Bengals will be more aggressive, like the Bills were. I think the Bills learned their lesson from last year. That's why they were more aggressive going for it on fourth down early in the game this time around. So, those are the keys for the Chiefs. Uh, my prediction, however, I'm actually I'm going to predict the Bengals to win. Um, it's, it just seems like it's time. It seems like the chiefs, like I said, at the beginning there with my thing for them not to do to come out flat. I just think it's, I just think it's a possibility, a real possibility here. And then with the Bengals, I mean, Joe Burrow, I think is insanely, uh, an insanely good leader of this team. I think he's going to have them hyped up and ready to play. And it's, it's going to be a good one. Um, but man, I, I'm just a huge fan of Burrow, so I'm not going to pick against him here. Eric, what about you? Yeah, I know I've said everything that I think the Bengals need to do. I will definitely be rooting for them, but I am going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs here. I think it's going to be a shootout. I do think it will be a crazy game, but I just don't think the Bengals are quite ready for a Super Bowl appearance yet. I think they need another year. So I still think the Chiefs are just too good. Uh, I'm going to say Kansas City takes this one 33 to 31. Uh, I'll pass it over to Nate. What do you think, Nate? Yeah, this is another prediction like um, like last week with the Bucks, where I hope I'm wrong. Um, I'm, I'm rooting for the Bengals, but I do think the Chiefs are going to win. Um, Joe Burrow is amazing. Um, the Chiefs have definitely some question marks, but after, um, especially the last two minutes of that game yesterday, I don't see the um, Bengals defense stopping the uh, um, Chiefs offense, especially if they come out um, ready to go. So I think it's going to be um, 
I'm gonna go Chiefs. Or wait, we do score predictions or? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I want to make sure. Um, I'm gonna go Chiefs. Uh, thirty. Um, 36, Bengals, um, 24. Okay, well, before you pass it to me, I'll let Zach forgot to make a score prediction. So, Zach, score prediction for the Bengals. Uh, Bengals, yeah, Bengals, uh, 42, Chiefs, 35. All right, similar score to this past week. Um, well, I will say, for me, I'm kind of, uh, it's crazy to think to me that I'm uh, going to be alone as the only one rooting for the Kansas City Chiefs in this game. I didn't expect everyone else to be like, we're going to root for the Bengals. Um, I, aside from me already not liking the Bengals, I'm not a Joe Burrow fan. Um, I don't know, something about him, I just don't like him. But anyway, but as for my real prediction, I just don't see, I mean, I know these teams met like a few weeks ago, like towards the end of the regular season and the Bengals came out on top. Like, I don't know. It just feels to me like the chiefs are like, they just gotten, they just keep getting better every single week. And, you know, I, I don't expect their defense to have the kind of performance they did in that game against the Bengals. I think the bills have a better offense, honestly, than the Bengals do. Um, at least, at least maybe not all around, but I think Josh Allen is still the better quarterback than Joe Burrow. So you're getting a little bit of a downgrade there. Um, and like I said, this Chiefs offense is unreal. I mean, even like one of the best secondaries in the NFL was not able to contain this passing attack and even just the rushing attack, like the way they got Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Jarek McKinnon involved in the game. I just don't see any way that the Bengals are going to be able to come into Arrowhead and take down this Chiefs team, and especially in January football. I mean, the Chiefs step up to the moment, and they... I think they're going to step up to the moment here again and get to that third straight Super Bowl. And I'm going to say the Chiefs take it 39 to 35. So we got three for the Chiefs and one uh, prediction for the Bengals on that one. Now we're going to move over to the NFC Championship game, the 630 game, the San Francisco 49ers at the Los Angeles Rams. These two teams, obviously division rivals, met twice during the regular season. The Niners came away with the victory both times, and they the Niners came away with the most crucial win of their regular season, beating them in Week 18 to get to the playoffs, because had they lost that game, they would not be here right now, because it would have been the Saints in the playoffs instead of them. So um, the Niners obviously know how to beat the, the Los Angeles Rams. I'm going to be the one speaking for the San Francisco 49ers on what they need to do to win this game. Um, obviously, they're going to be going on the road to L.A. This obviously is not going to be the same sort of uh, bad weather situation that they had up in Lambeau. Um, you know, they're going to be in sunny Los Angeles in a indoor stadium, so not going to have to worry about snow or slippery ground or anything like that going on. Um, but... The main key for the San Francisco 49ers in this game, at least on offense, is, you know, they have to get this run game going. They just have to keep sticking with the run game. They have to keep sticking to their guns. You know, feed Eli Mitchell, feed Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel, I mean, he's such a weapon. He's probably, he's getting up there, like, competing with Tyreek Hill as one of the most dangerous weapons in the NFL. I mean, he can do just about anything. He can line up in the backfield. He can come on end arounds. He can do short passes, long passes. He can even throw the ball. Like, this guy is a do-it-all player. 
and just get him touches, get him the ball early and often, because we see it too often where, you know, you have these players that you don't get them the ball often enough early in the game, and then they just kind of go cold for the rest of the game. We saw it in that game, in the Bills uh, Chiefs game, really, where, I mean, obviously the Bills were able to cope without him, but they didn't get Stefan Diggs involved in that game hardly at all. And I think it really affected their offense sort of in that middle part of the game when they didn't have their best weapon, you know, working and running. And the the 49ers really can't get in that situation with Debo Samuel because, you know, if they're having to rely on like Brandon Ayuk to be the top receiving threat, at least from the wideout position, then they're going to be in trouble. So get Debo Samuel involved, get George Kittle involved. This is something that they really haven't done enough uh, in recent weeks is getting Kittle the ball. You know, I talk about it's important to get Samuel the ball, and it really is, but they need to get George Kittle touches as well. It seems like Garoppolo has been, like, I don't know if it's because teams are covering him well or if he's just like, you know, too focused on other stuff or whatnot, but it seems like he doesn't want to get the ball to George Kittle. And Kittle, he's still a top three tight end in the NFL, in my opinion. Um, you know, and also, you know, he's a great blocker as well. Having him out there on the run game is crucial. That, that'll help you get that going. So, But get him the ball as well because it's going to be, you know, they kind of need to get the Kansas City situation going on here where it's like, you know, they have Tyreek Hill and Kelsey. The Niners need to get Debo Samuel and George Kittle going because at that point, your offense starts to become almost unstoppable when you have two really great weapons like that and the Niners have a run game to go along with it. Like, the offense will just be unstoppable if both of those guys get going. Um, you know, the Rams obviously have a very deadly offense, uh, defensive line with Aaron Donald, Von Miller and Leonard Floyd all coming after the quarterback, but their offense is really built to sort of counteract that it's based on, you know, what Eric was talking about earlier. It's based on short throws. It's based on screens. It's based on end arounds, you know, stuff that doesn't give the defensive line a lot of opportunities to come after the quarterback. So, and obviously, you know, they already have the game plan from beating them twice in the regular season. So that's going to be the keys for them on offense. Really, the keys for them on defense is just going to be keep doing what you've been doing in the playoffs. Like, you know, no one really thought they were going to be here uh, this late in the playoffs. I know, you know, a lot of us, I know Zach obviously picked them to beat the Packers. Um but, you know, a lot of people in the beginning had them losing to the Cowboys from the start. So no one thought they were going to be here. And it's really just been on the backs of their defense and their special teams. You know, the their defensive front is as good as ever with Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead coming after the quarterback. It's going to be really key for them to get Fred Warner back if he can get healthy and get in the lineup because he's really the heart and soul of that defense. Um, and just make life difficult for Matthew Stafford. You know, Matthew Stafford has some very leaky sort of you know iffy games this season the Rams have been inconsistent like he's been inconsistent and it's led to the Rams being inconsistent so make Matthew Stafford uncomfortable stifle the run make sure Cam Akers and Sony Michelle don't get anything going and put the game on Matthew Stafford's back because you know while yes that might be a a death sentence in some way if Stafford's playing the level he can but there's also a really high chance that you know he could also you know revert back to the you know, Matthew Stafford, we saw when the Rams were in the midst of that, like three or four game losing streak they were on. So um, just make make Matthew Stafford uncomfortable. Keep up the good work on special teams. I mean, that's literally the sole reason they won that game against the Packers was that blocked punt and the blocked field goal and all that stuff they did. So 
those are going to be the keys for the San Francisco 49ers to win this game. Nate, tell us what the Los Angeles Rams and Matthew Stafford need to do to win this game. Yeah, so kind of like you mentioned, um, these two teams already played each other twice in the regular season. The 49ers swept, so um, I think both teams kind of obviously have a ton of film to watch. They know pretty much what they each need to do. Um, you touched on it for the 49ers, and um, for the Rams, it's kind of honestly, you know, do the opposite of, you know, what we're saying for the Niners. I think the biggest thing is for the Rams is Matt Stafford, how he's going to show up. Um, both times they played um, – the um, 49ers this year, he threw two picks, and they lost both of those games. So I think that um, it's kind of the biggest thing for them. They got all the weapons. They got Odell, um, you know, who's been on fire lately. They've got Cooper Cup. They've got um, Cam Akers is back healthy. Um, it's really just going to come down to if um, Stafford doesn't even have to be amazing. He just has to not um, make mistakes, just put the ball in those guys' hands um, and not try and do too much. And we know his, his arm is – um, you know, one of the better arm talents in the league has been for a while, but he just has to not turn the ball over and um, kind of just let those guys around him do their thing. I think for me is really the the deal because um, if he throws two picks again and uh, the Niners can get rolling, it's going to be a tough um, kind of to go uphill against a team like that. Um, that's really the biggest thing, I think, for offense. I mean, the rest of those guys um, kind of know – um, what what they are, Cup, Odell, um, all of them. I think the running game, too, is a big deal, having Kim Akers back healthy. I think that's something that wasn't really present in the last two meetings either. Uh, and for a lot of like the middle of the season for the Rams, the running game kind of um, disappeared a little bit. I think getting that going, too, will help take the pressure off of Stafford in that passing game. It'll kind of keep um, the 49ers defense more honest, and they can't key in um, <clears throat> quite as much. So those are the two big things offensively. And then um, on defense, I think the biggest deal, um, they just have to show up um, and be the Rams defense, mainly on the defensive line that we've basically become accustomed to. Yesterday versus the Bucks, that was really um, why the game looked like it was getting out of hand to begin with was uh, Aaron Donald was getting all um, in Brady's face, getting through the line double teams, all that. It wasn't um, having any impact, it seemed like. And the Bucks have been uh, depleted up front, so that's kind of a bit of an excuse for them. But and they need to show up that same way against the 49ers. I mean, that their offense, like you said, with Debo, and um, if they get Kittle going, they can do all kinds of different creative um, things and make it really hard for defenses to, um, you know, scheme against it. So I think having Donald and uh, Von Miller and those guys up front, um, having them on and um, ready to go is going to be the biggest thing because that kind of then neutralizes some of what the Niners can do is, you know, if Aaron Donald's getting through double teams and um, getting in uh, guys in the backfield, you can't really be as uh, creative. You can't do the trick plays. You can't, um, you know, get Debo touches in the backfield, like all that crazy stuff. So I think it's, um, that's really the big key for defense. I mean, um, the rest of it, they just have so much talent on that side of the ball that um, it usually seems to um, kind of work itself out. Um, I think really just getting that pressure up front and I guess just staying disciplined. Like, like you said, there's so much um, creativity, you know, different ways you can get guys the ball that they got to be ready for anything. And the whole playbook's going to be thrown at them, I would assume, uh, tomorrow. So, um, yeah, it's kind of 
I would say my keys for the Rams. Um, and as far as predictions go, uh, this was kind of a tough one for me because the regular season record obviously favors um, San Francisco. San Francisco, they won both of those games. Um, they look very strong doing it, and they've been, um, they've, you know, made it through the first two games of the postseason. So um, they are looking tough right now, but I still have to go. Um, in my head, I've got to go with the 49, or um, uh, with the Rams here. They just have too much talent on uh, both sides of the ball. Um, I think they have been inconsistent throughout the year. They're not um, a sure thing, but I feel like with one game on the line, um, I think they're going to go and get it done. I think it's going to be too much uh, with all those guys healthy and with um, the way that the passing games looked the past few weeks with Odell really um, coming on as basically another number one against um, on the other side of Cooper Cup. So I'm going to go – I do think it will be a close game. I'm going to go Rams uh, 31, um, 49ers 28. But curious to hear what you guys have to think or have to say. Zach, you first. All right. I am going to be picking the 49ers in this one. Uh, They're just an extremely hot team right now. Get like winning all these games to get in the playoffs. They were hot, and then they've won these two playoff games now. Um, They have familiarity with the Rams. Like Nate said, they beat them twice now. I just think... I do think Shanahan's the better coach, too, in this coaching matchup, which should be fun to watch. Uh, I think with the weather and the way things are going to be, I think they're going to have a more productive offense, offensive showing than they had in Green Bay. But the real reason they're going to win is the defense. I think this defensive front, I expect, uh, you know, like five or six stack game on Stafford here. I think... In the trenches, the 49ers have the advantage. I think they're going to scheme up the runs brilliantly. I think they're going to, it's going to be a masterclass showing Debo Samuel. They're going to need all this stuff. The Rams, eventually, they're going to break through, you know, with all their superstars. Uh, but it's going to be, I think, pretty low scoring. I'm going to say 49ers win 24, Rams 20. Uh, Eric, what about you? Yeah, so I'm going to be going with the Rams here uh, for, like, personal rooting interest. I don't care who wins. I don't like either team, really, but I am going to go with the Rams. For me, it's more so just with the 49ers, while I'm pretty sure all of their key players are expected to play in the game, they're really banged up on their offense right now. Uh, Debo Samuel and Kittle both were like limping off the field after the Green Bay game. And from what I'm seeing, they're still going to practice and play and everything. But I just can't believe that they're 100%. I don't trust Jimmy Garoppolo to get the job done. I I know Zach talked about the 49ers defense, but the Rams also have Aaron Donald and Von Miller and a you know shutdown corner and Jalen Ramsey. Their defense is pretty good too. And I trust Matthew Stafford more than I trust Jimmy G. So I'm gonna go with the Rams I do think this will be a close game I, I agree with Zach that I think it'll be low scoring as well um, I'm going to say that the Rams take this one 23 to 20 so Connor uh, it's two to one right now which what's your what's your prediction here 
Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Eric and Nate on this one and go with the Los Angeles Rams. Um, Zach's going for the Niners and Bengals Super Bowl rematch, whereas the rest of us seem like we're going with KC and the Rams. Um, But yeah, for me, I mean, I know the Niners have been hot, but really it's just they've come again. I mean, the Cowboys really kind of shot themselves in the foot in that game and really I think that loss was more the Cowboys losing it than the Niners winning it. Um, You know, the Cowboys were the better team and just kind of all the penalties and all the, you know, stuff that was going on cost them that game. The game in Green Bay, like I said, the special teams mistakes by Green Bay, you know, it was really that because the Niners couldn't get anything going on offense whatsoever. Like had it not been for that blocked punt, like it still would have been low scoring, but the Packers would have still won. Um, despite the low scoring affair and the Rams to me, they're just peaking at the right time. I think that's, you know, it's something that we, I used to, you know, my dad and I used to always talk about with the Patriots and Tom Brady, how like, you know, they would always get off to these, like, seemed like they would get off to these slow starts in the regular season. And, you know, they would, um, you know, we start thinking, Oh, is this the end of the Patriots dynasty? And then, you know, they'd have a couple like sort of close games at the end of the regular season, like maybe a loss to the dolphins thrown in there, but then come playoff time, they were a completely different team. And I think that's the way the Rams are looking right now. They're looking like they're peaking at the right time. Matthew Stafford is probably more motivated than any other player in the playoffs right now to get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. The Rams are hungry. Stafford is hungry. And I think the Rams are going to get it done. I agree with Zach and Eric as well that it is going to be more of a defensive struggle. Um, but I'm going to say the Rams are going to take this one by a touchdown and win it 27 or 28 to 21. Um, so that is going to wrap it up for this episode of Clutch Crew Sports, guys. Uh, great talks from everyone about all the teams. And looking forward to next week where we will be recapping these games. And... Um, you know, looking forward especially to two weeks from now when we do our annual Super Bowl blowout episode. But until then, guys, thank you so much for watching. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Clutch Crew Sports. Subscribe on YouTube, Clutch Crew Sports. Uh, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you leave any questions for us on Twitter or on uh, the comments on YouTube. If you want us to answer a question for you on the podcast, we'd be happy to do so. Um, but until then, next time, guys, We will see you later. Be clutch. See ya. Peace.